We now come to Micah in this journey through the minor prophets of the Old Testament. Micah is this prophet who is speaking uh, during the time of the 8th century. Around uh, 750, 760, he would prophesy all the way down to the last part of that century. And he, is, uh, he has a few words for Israel, that is uh, the northern kingdom. He has some thoughts for the north, the kingdom that is going to fall actually during his prophetic ministry. So the northern kingdom is going to fall in 722 B.C., and he is going to be there to see it. And then all that is going to be left at this point is the southern kingdom. By the way, the, the ten northern tribes, some of those people would be taken off into exile by the kingdom of Assyria. But there is no such thing as the lost ten northern tribes. So you hear about this. It's a myth that ten of the tribes have been lost. The truth is a lot of the uh, people from the ten northern tribes actually migrated down into the southern kingdom before the northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria. So you had Assyria come in and conquer the northern kingdom and take some of them away as exiles into a foreign land. But many of the Israelites from that period of time and from that kingdom had come down into the south. They realized that the worship of the northern kingdom was false worship. It was, it was idolatry in its worst form. Jeroboam had set up uh, two calves of false worship, and there were many Israelites who were disenchanted with the worship that was going on to these false gods. He had said, behold, behold your gods. Of course, they, they were not God. They were not the true God. And so you have all of these wicked kings. And in fact, uh, in Israel, in the northern kingdom, there were only wicked kings. There was not one good king in the north. It was a whole litany. It was a list of bad kings, unbelieving kings from top to bottom. And so now Micah comes and he is prophesying. He is going to see the northern kingdom's final destruction. And so he has some words for that kingdom in the beginning, but his primary ministry is going to be to the south. He is going to prophesy to the southern kingdom because here the northern kingdom had fallen. They had not listened to the word of God. They had not repented of their sins. And now the southern kingdom had a choice to make sure they had the temple. They had the right place of worship in Jerusalem. But the question was, were they going to follow after their sister tribes, or were they going to continue to follow the Lord? And, of course, their history was checkered, and it was marred. There were some good kings in the south, and there were some bad kings. But we really don't know a lot about Micah. We don't know about his family. In fact, it doesn't tell us in Micah who his father was. Sometimes we have this prophet was the son of this person. We don't have that here with Micah. All we have is where he was from. 
be like saying Bob from Nanacoke. That's it. That's the only information that is given. Of course, it's not Bob from Nanacoke, but it's Micah from Morasheth. In fact, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 1 of Micah, it tells us where he's from. It says, the word of the Lord that came to Micah. And this is the, this is the um, test of a true prophet. Does he really speak the words of the Lord? And do those words of the Lord come to pass? Or are they false words that do not come to pass? So the word of the Lord came to Micah of Morasheth. This would be a little town uh, southwest of Jerusalem. So he was from the southern kingdom, and he is going to prophesy predominantly to his own people in the southern kingdom. So you have these towns that we're going to get to that he is speaking to about in Judah, who are, if you look at a map, if you have Jerusalem here to the southwest of Jerusalem, you have these towns. And of course, he's from one of them. He's from this town of Morasheth. So here he is. He is prophesying, and he's prophesying during the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. So these are not the kings of the north. These are the kings of the south, which he saw concerning Samaria. That's the capital of the north. So he is going to address the north, but he's also going to address the south, the southern kingdom. Jerusalem is its capital, and that's what it says there in verse 1. Now, if you go down to verse 5, we have this judgment we have this judgment all the way down to verse 9 concerning Israel. So he's talking to the northern kingdom and he's saying God is going to come in judgment. He's going to come and he's going to judge the northern kingdom. And by the way, he would see this. Wouldn't this be something to be prophesying that judgment is going to come? You know who it's going to come by. It's going to come by the nation of Assyria. And then to actually see it take place. That's exactly what happens here. So it'd be like if we said in so many years, China is going to come in and destroy the United States and take many of its residents as captives. And then to actually see that happen. So he's witnessing, he's prophesying. Assyria is going to come. They are going to take people captive and this happens in his lifetime in fact it says in verse 6 therefore i will make samaria a heap in the open country a place for planting vineyards and i will pour down her stones into the valley and uncover her foundations this is the judgment that he spends a short amount of time speaking to, speaking about this northern kingdom. Judgment is going to come. Now we see this over and over again in the scriptures where God talks about judgment. He talks about judgment and prophet after prophet. In fact, every time we open up one of these minor prophets, it seems that we are talking instantly about the judgment of God. This problem of man has committed sin, and this shows our rebellious bent that we have 
continued in our sin, and because we have loved our sin, we have loved our iniquity, judgment is coming. And God is saying to Israel, he's saying, because you have been unbelieving, because you have continued in your sin, because you have been stiff-necked and, and will not repent, judgment is going to come, it's going to fall. And sure enough, it happens. And this shows us even our own rebellious bent, that we have this problem where we continue to sin. And God says to us, judgment is coming. This gives us a historical proof in Israel that God's warnings are true. If he judged Israel and he said Israel was going to be judged, and then he comes to us and he says, you're going to be judged for your sin, we can know that it's absolutely true. And it places us in this position of a decision. What am I going to do? Why does God spend so much time speaking about judgment? We have a major problem in our day and age where there's very little fear of God. It's almost as if we can decide if we're going to create God. If we want to create God, we'll create him and we'll believe in him and we'll believe in heaven and we'll believe in all these things. But if we don't want to, that's okay because his existence is not really there and that's fine. But the truth is what God says in his word is he exists whether we want to believe that or not. His judgment is coming whether we want to believe that or not. And he gives us proofs in history that when he gives warnings, he's not just saying I'm giving cheap words that don't really mean anything like a mother or a father who keeps saying, now please, Timmy, please, come on, let's listen to mommy, let's listen to daddy, please, come on, please, 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 come on, listen. Okay, I'm going to count to 10. I'm going to count to 10. One, two. Okay, I counted to 10. Now I'm going to count to 20. And that's how we often to 10. He doesn't really mean it. There really is no such thing as judgment. There's no such thing as afterlife of a person who is going to go to hell to suffer the judgment of God forever. And so God says, I'm giving you an example in history where you can know that my warnings are true, that my word is sure. That what I say is actually going to happen. If people could open up uh, the doors of their future. And if they could look and they could peer into the life after. Many people would be horrified to see that the place that they are going to go. Is a place of everlasting judgment. It's a place, it's a real place of everlasting torment. Recently, we were just talking this past week about John and his life and the fact that he is in heaven with the Lord right now and that heaven is a real place. Well, hell is a real place. And the Bible says that the path to destruction, the path to everlasting judgment is wide and there's many on this road that are going off to judgment. And you would think that people would say, you know what, I want to turn. I'm listening to the word of God. But just like Israel in the north and God saying, I'm going to bring judgment, repent. I'm going to bring judgment, repent. Many, many people remain unmoved and even unconvinced. And the proof is seen in the life. If someone is convinced that the judgments of God are absolutely true, 
that the judgments of God are coming, if somebody hears the warnings of God and says, I'm listening to these warnings and I'm going to receive them, their life changes. Their whole life changes. There, there's a, a life now of obedience instead of rebellion, a life that says, oh, God, I'm sorry for going against your word. I don't want to be judged. How many people have really been gripped with the fear of coming judgment? How many of the Israelites were gripped with the sense that God is not just coming in blessing in the future, but that he's also coming to judge sinners for their wickedness and for their rebellion? And one of the marks of a people that is under the judgment of God is they don't care. They're unmoved. So a person hears about the judgment of God and they go like this. Sounds bad. Sounds real bad. Okay, what's next? That is, a, that, is a, that is a culture that has now come under the judgment of God because hearts are not being moved and hearts are not being rent. To say, listen, what Amos has said the same thing. It's amazing. Amos has talked about the judgment of God. Hosea, we read verse after verse about the judgment of God. We read about it in Amos, and we read about it in Hosea. We've read about it in Jonah. Unless Nineveh turns and repents, that judgment is coming to that great city. Jesus said, unless you repent, unless you repent, you too and the Gospel of Luke, you too shall likewise perish. See, the problem is we, we don't believe that message anymore. That's why we see this epidemic of people trying to fill churches through all sorts of gimmicks and messages that will somehow gather people to listen to something, but nobody is really being pierced to the heart. And so what we're praying for is a real move of the Spirit. Because when the Spirit come, comes, he convinces us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. That's what the Holy Spirit does in his ministry. He comes and he speaks to us. So while we re remain unmoved, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and he says, the words of Micah are actually true and they apply to you. Do you want to die and face judgment forever? Do you want to die in your sins? Is that where you're at? Have you been moved? Have you come to the place where this isn't all just a game, but this is God speaking to us and God clearly announcing to us through his word exactly what he wants? And so he's speaking here clearly through the prophet Micah, and he's saying, Israel, judgment is coming, and judgment surely happened. And now he comes to his beloved Judah. This is the southern kingdom. So there is the northern kingdom that is about to fall under the judgment of God, and now there's the southern kingdom. And they are at the point of decision. They are at the point of no return. Are they going to return to the Lord? Well, verse 9 here says this about Judah, about the southern kingdom. 
It says, for her wound is incurable. Oh, she's been wounded to the point of where there is no cure. This is a, this is a fatal disease. She looks okay right now. They've got money and everything seems okay, but there's this incurable disease that is hidden underneath the skin that is killing her. It's not curable. It's one thing to get a message from the doctor, and he says, you've got the sniffles, and I'm going to prescribe you some antibiotic, and in 10 days this thing should clear up. It's another thing when the doctor comes and he sits you down and he says, listen, I have found within your body underneath the surface, you seem like you're doing okay. But test results show that you have an incurable cancer, that this is a malignant tumor, that this is already spreading and that you only have so many days to live. And that is what God is saying here to Judah. He is saying you have an incurable disease. You're not just a little sick. It's incurable. And it has come to Judah. It has reached the gate of my people in Jerusalem. The Assyrians, even though they would not eventually conquer Judah, that would be Babylon. We're going to see that in the coming days. They were already, Assyria was already putting pressure on the southern kingdom. And so now Micah goes through 11 different towns a couple of them are Philistine towns, towns of Philistia. And some of these towns are surrounding the town where Micah is from in the southwest part of Judah. And Micah is a real poet. For most of these towns, he has a play on words in the way that he warns and tells about coming judgment that is coming to the southern kingdom. So he's already talked about the north. Now he's going to the south, and he's talking about these towns that are going to experience judgment. And he does it in a poetic way, in a way that plays on words. The first town that he comes to is in verse 10. This is a town in the Philistine region. This is not an Israeli town. And he says it uh, like this. He says it here in verse 10. He says, tell it not in Gath. Don't tell it. Don't tell the problem that is uh, coming to Jerusalem because they are going to gloat. You ever have a person who finds out that bad has happened to somebody else and they say something like this? They say, well, it was, um, it was coming to them. We're so, we're so happy that they finally got it. That's what he is saying here, saying don't tell it in Gath, because if they hear what is coming to Jerusalem, if they hear what is coming to Judah, they're going to gloat over you. In fact, don't cry. You see somebody crying, you say, what's wrong? Why are you crying? He's saying this, keep a stiff upper lip. Don't show your emotion. Don't show what is going to happen to you, because if people begin to see you crying and they see the sorrow in you, they're going to say something is wrong. And when they hear about the punishment that is coming from God, they're going to say, ah, it's about time, Israel. It's about time the southern kingdom finally got it. It was always coming to them. It's interesting here. The word gath sounds like tell. So here's this play on words. He's saying, tell it not in tell. 
That's the poetic device that he is using here. In other words, what he is saying is this. Tell it not in tell town. Don't tell it where they're going to tell things or where they're going to say things. He's using these specific and beautiful words to get across the point. Then he says this. This is another town. Next town in verse 10. Bethlehephra. This literally means Bethlehephra means house of dust. So he's coming here and he's saying in Bethlehephra, the house of dust, roll yourself in the dust. Micah is coming and saying to the inhabitants of this town, this Judean town, he's saying house of dust, roll yourself in the dust. His judgment is great. See the picture here of someone just rolling themselves in dust. Judgment is coming. Everything is going to be lost. This is a horrible scene. Then he says this in verse 11. He says, pass on your way, inhabitants of Shefer. Shefer was in Philistia. Now, this word sounds like beautiful. So he's saying, you inhabitants, you, you people that come from the town that is beautiful, will keep going. Don't look at what's going on because you are going to be in nakedness and shame. So you who were clothed so beautifully, you who look so beautiful, are not going to look beautiful anymore. In fact, you're going to go away naked and ashamed. And then he says to the inhabitants of Zanan, do not come out. Zanan sounds like come out. So Micah is saying, do not come out. Come out. Don't even bother. Judgment is coming. Don't come out. The lamentation, he goes on to say, of Beth Azel. We don't really know where this town is. Shall take away from you its standing place. Perhaps it meant something like to stand and this town is no longer going to stand. So the beautiful town is no longer going to be beautiful. The standing place is no longer going to stand. Verse 12, for the inhabitants of Marath. Marath means bitter. So instead of bitterness, here they are, this, this town that is named after bitterness and sounds like bitterness for the inhabitants of Marath. Wait anxiously for good. They're waiting for goodness. This is the town called Bitter. They're waiting for goodness, but it's a bitter town. Judgment has come. Because disaster has come down from the Lord to the gate of Jerusalem. Verse 13 talks about another town. Harness, harness the steeds of the chariots. Lakish here sounds like steeds, like horses. So he's saying, harness the steeds to the chariots, inhabitants of steeds. Another play on words. He's saying, get the chariots going. Get your horses ready. But instead of going to fight, instead of going into battle, you're going to be running away. You need to, you need to get your horses ready to get out of there. It was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion. For in you were found the transgressions of Israel. 
Then he says, verse 14, Therefore you shall give parting gifts to Morasheth Gath. This is um, a town that is one who is sounds like betrothed to this this town, Morasheth Gath, sounds like one who is going to be married. And God is saying, you're going to get parting gifts because you're going to be leaving. You're going to be leaving Judah. Assyria is coming in, and finally Babylon is going to come in and destroy you. It says in the same verse, talks about another town, the houses of Akzib. Akzib means falsehood or deceitful. He says, the houses of Axib shall be a deceitful thing. So here's the house that means deceitful. Something is going to happen that is deceitful to the kings of Israel. Verse 15, I will bring a conqueror to you, inhabitants of Merishah. This means one who conquers. But instead of conquering, they are now going to be conquered. I will again bring a conqueror to you, a conqueror to you inhabitants of Merishah. The glory of Israel shall come to Adullam. So here Israel is going to flee. So from the beginning of this passage, he is talking about this Philistine city of Gath. He comes to the end, so it's this tragic thing. He's saying, tell it not and tell town what is going to happen. The judgment that is coming, don't tell it to the cities in the Philistine region. But all of these horrible things are going to happen to city after city, town after town in the southern part of Israel to the point of where they flee to the region of Adullam. Now there's a couple texts in, in the Old Testament, if you flip back in your Bibles to 2 Samuel, that remind us of both of these places, one being Gath. So you have this place of Gath and then the other place, which is the place of Adullam. If you go to 2 Samuel chapter 1, 2 Samuel chapter 1, David is remembering back uh, over the lives of Jonathan and his father Saul. Jonathan was his best friend. They were tight. So you have these, these dear friends, and uh, Jonathan's life has been lost. His father Saul's life has been lost. Verse 17 of 2 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 17. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son, and he said it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jeshar. He said, your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. He's talking about the king, the prince, how the mighty have fallen. Now notice the next verse. What does he say here in verse 20? Tell it not in Gath. It's the same words that we see in our Text in Micah, tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exalt. Same time, same kind of thing going on here, a real downer of a time. 
Saul has been killed. Jonathan has been killed. And David is saying, let's not tell these events in Gath, for they will gloat. Now Micah, hundreds of years later, is saying the same thing. Let's not talk about what is going to happen in Gath, for they're going to get a real kick out of what is going on. And then we see the end of this text that we've just looked at, finishing up with Adullam. If you go over to 1 Samuel chapter 22, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. This is where David escapes. So Micah is saying, you guys are going to have to escape to Adullam. The, the glory of Israel is going to escape. Notice what happens with David. David, verse 1 of chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went with him down there. One person said that this whole text is very tied to David. So you have David starting out this lament of tragedy and this lament of sorrow. Tell it not in Gath. We see the same repetition of that in Micah. Tell it not in Gath. Then you see David. He's escaping earlier on for his life. He's trying to get away from Saul as he's running from Saul. And where's one of the places he escapes to? He leaves and he runs to the caves of Adullam. And God is later on saying through Micah, he's saying same thing is going to happen to Israel. Tell it not in Gath. And Judah, in the end, is going to be running for their lives, escaping to Adullam. This is, uh, this is the judgment of God. It is sure, and it is coming. It came for the northern kingdom first. It would then come for the southern kingdom later. God is saying all of these towns.